0: It's been so long since I recorded an episode in this room. I don't remember how to do things.
1: I know. It's crazy. Okay. Okay, I got it. Hold on, I got it.
0: No, it's it. fine. Welcome to this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill.
1: Hello, Jill. I can see you. I can see your face in person through, through a glass wall still because we are both literally in studio. We are in the office, and but we also can't sit, we're not sitting next to each other so we can socially distance.
0: It's very tiny rooms.
1: Very tiny rooms. And we have, I'm, I'm surrounded by three ludicrously expensive microphones and I am using headphones because nothing is set up for a pandemic, which it's okay. We're dreaming on a budget, but if we sound slightly different from each other, it's because Jill has a, a good microphone and I'm using headphones, but it, we tested it. I think it sounds okay. Yeah. So, um, we're going to cobble ourselves too. So what are we doing today, Jill?
0: It's our August books episode. Yay. There was was much rejoicing. (laughs) So for new listeners, um, if you are not familiar with our monthly book picks, we always give a preview of books that are coming out in the following month that we are excited for. So this is August 2021. Wow, 2021.
1: It's exactly that. I
0: don't know and what's happening right
1: now. No, we're doing great. Everyone loves
0: this content. <laughs> this is good,
1: solid content. Um, so yeah, we will go back and forth. You don't need to worry about writing the books down. We will have them in our show notes. So don't worry about that. If you hear anything that sounds good, you can just click the links in our show notes, and uh, you'll be able to get them right there. Also, we don't tell each other our books. We'll go back and forth. thank you just said that. Um, If you want more book recommendations or just some good quality professional book nerds content, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We are doing TikToks and reels almost every day at this point, having fun. uh, And yeah, tweeting out book recommendations, all that good stuff. That's all the places we're at. Or you can go to ProfessionalBookNerds.com and see all of our episodes. You can find all of our author interviews that we've ever done, all of our recommendations a nice little search bar up there you can search for an author or a keyword and they'll all pop up that match um also just behind the scenes if you're a librarian and you're coming to digipalooza next week it's going to be super exciting and fun uh jill and i just did like the staging setup for how we're going to be doing our interview with andy weir and i feel like that's like partially also what's throwing us off that we we're just doing that now are in these rooms that we haven't really spent any time in it's all happening yeah is that everything i think that's it okay um how many books did you pick eight okay you're gonna start because i have seven
0: okay um my first one that i'm gonna talk about is a slow fire burning by paula hawkins Um, Paula Hawkins is of course the girl on the train author who was like runaway bestseller. And now she's back with another one. So this is about a young man who is found gruesomely murdered in a London houseboat. And when his body is discovered, it, um, triggers questions about three women who knew him. There was Laura, who is the troubled one night stand last seen in his home. Carla is his grief stricken aunt already mourning the recent death of yet another family member. Miriam is the nosy neighbor clearly keeping secrets from the police gotta love those nosy neighbors so these three women um all have separate connections to the victim but they are for different reasons simmering with resentment and so who who are they whether they know it or not they're burning right the wrongs done to them and when it comes to revenge even good people might be capable of terrible deeds so it's got a cool cover too
1: it does have a very cool cover. Also, when you were talking about Girl on a Train, you called it a runaway bestseller. <laughs> and that immediately popped in that song in my head, Runaway Train by Soul Asylum.
0: Totally so, not intentional.
1: I know, just, I enjoyed that very much. Yeah, the Paul Hawkins book looks so good. Um, previous guest on the podcast, Paul Hawkins. Jill interviewed her a while back, um, which is something you could find easily at professionalbookturns.com. Didn't you? Wasn't that
0: you or is that me? I don't remember.
1: One of us interviewed Paul Hawkins. My first one is The People We Keep by Allison Larkin. Uh, so this sounds phenomenal. It is set in New York in 1994. Our main character's name is April Sawicki. April lives in a motorless motor home that her father won in a poker game. Um, she's failing out of school and picking up shifts at a diner and left to kind of fund for herself. She ends up borrowing, in quotations, her neighbor's car to perform at an open mic night and realizes her life could be much bigger than where she came from. So after she has a fight with her dad, she picks up her stuff and moves for good, setting off on a journey to Ithaca. And when she gets to Ithaca, her only plan is to survive. But as she looks for work, she tends to, she meets all these kindred spirits at a cafe, which is a local coffee shop. And um, they just tend to fall in love with this friendship that they all have and what it means for them. And so it seems like a book that is very specific in chronicling these relationships with people which is very much what i have been reading a whole bunch of this year realizing that um as i still am not seeing too many people uh the ability to read about relationships is very cathartic for me so that's uh the people we keep by allison larkin
0: um my next one is the turnout by megan abbott which i've discussed before but finally y'all can read it which makes me very excited this is the challenge with advanced copies i always appreciate Mm -hmm. them and then no one reads them can read them for like nine months and it's the worst. Yeah. So this is um Megan Abbott is back with a new novel set in a family-run ballet studio. It is about two daughters, um Marie and Dara, who have taken over their family's ballet studio um after their the death of their parents in a, a accident. And um they're very close. Um they live together dar's husband charlie you know lives with them too they still live in the same house they grew up in and weird things there's like a um fire at the um ballet studio and it's sort of all while there is rehearsals for the nutcracker happening which is always like you know drama inducing. like nutcracker is always like the big thing when it comes to ballet studios Mm -hmm. and so Um, There's this fire, there has to be a construction and it brings in a new person into this like tight little circle of of Dara Murray and Charlie and, um, you know, tensions happen and things happen. And I'll just say that it's a Megan Abbott book. (laughs) It's a
1: Megan Abbott book.
0: (laughs) You can guess, but that's the turnout. Uh,
1: My next one is Damnation Spring by Ash Davidson. Uh, I interviewed Ash a couple of weeks ago. She will be on the podcast uh, at some point in August. I don't remember specifically which day uh damnation spring is an awesome book it is about a pacific northwest logging town and the this family who's lived there this husband and wife they have a, a young son they lived there for generations and the main character's name is rich and his family um he basically is able to take a chance and buy this huge ridge of forest that uh or sorry this huge grove of forest that he'd be able to cut down these massive redwood trees and because of the size of them, he would basically set up his family for life if he has the ability to cut them down. And so he kind of risks his his family's life savings to purchase this bridge. And along the same time, his wife has been trying to have another child and keeps having miscarriages. And um, she works as a midwife and is trying to figure out what is going on. And she's lost several pregnancies. And what they end up realizing is for decades there's been herbicides that have been used by the logging company. And while they were told that they were harmless, it ended up being that they are, in fact, extremely harmful. So it's these kind of dual stories of the husband working to create a future in the logging industry for his family and the wife trying to figure out um, all these issues that are going on with the herbicides. Uh, It's really, really fantastic. It's so well researched. Um, I won't tell you much about the interview except that Ash told me she Left on the cutting room for a half a million words. What? Yeah. That was the exact thing I said too. Um, for context for people, an average book length might be, I don't know, 120,000 words maybe.
0: maybe That's 90- even high.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, she left a half a million words on the cutting room floor. It's like a other book.
0: It's like two other books.
1: It's like two other books. Yeah. So, but the book is phenomenal. It's a debut and I think everyone's really, really going to love it. So it's Damnation Spring by Ash Davidson.
0: My next one is The Heart Principle by Helen Hong. So this is about a violinist Anna. She achieves accidental kind of career success with a viral YouTube video and then she sort of, you know, burns herself out trying to replicate it. And so then her longtime boyfriend announces he wants an open relationship before making a final commitment, girl, run! But um, <laughs> she is hurt and angry and decides that if he wants an open relationship, then she does too, which means she embarks on the What? That
1: was so funny. And I'm trying to be quiet while you give your thing. True. And I just get so it is True. I know. I love I
0: just anyone love in a relationship. If your partner is like, you know what, before I want to marry you, I want to have an open relationship and you're not okay with an open relationship. Break up with them.
1: Oh, that was just, I just really break like up with recording them. Near each other. <laughs> break up with
0: them. You don't need that. You don't I'm need sorry. that. Open relationships are totally fine. You know, that is a totally a cool thing, but this sounds more like I want to cheat on you with your permission. And yeah. so Of course, (laughs) back to the book. (laughs) I'm sorry, keep going, Joe. I'm sorry. Right, so she decides that she's going to embark on a string of one-night stands. The more unacceptable the men, the better. And that's where tattooed motorcycle riding Quan comes in. Their first attempt at a one-night stand fails as does their second and their third because being with him is more than sex. He accepts Anna on an unconditional level that she has just started to understand herself. However, when tragedy strikes Anna's family, she takes on a role that is ill suited for her until the burden of expectations threatens to destroy her. Anna and Quan have to fight for their chance at love, but to do that, they also have to fight for themselves. So I think it turns out okay for Anna in the end. I'm just saying. <laughs>
1: I I don't know. It was like you had such like flawless timing with your commentary. And I was like trying to let you get your description out. I was just like giggling with the little kid over here. It's delightful.
0: Sorry. Call him like I see it.
1: Uh no apologies needed. You're absolutely right. Um my next one is Eddie in Between by Laura Sibson. Have you seen the cover for this yet? What is it called? Eddie in Between. It's E D I E in Between. There's also a copy of it on my. On my Desk which you can look at. Oh, but,
0: oh, I see why you're bringing this to my attention.
1: Yeah, in fact, I said I don't know
0: how I missed this one,
1: it's pretty far down the list, okay. but um, it is a modern day practical magic. Uh, and man, this book is so delightful. So, the main character's name is Eddie, and it's a year after Eddie's mother died, but um, uh, the ghost of Eddie's mother is still around, and that's because is it Eddie is your Edie. Oh, it's probably Edie. I think you're right, Edie. <laughs> okay. I, no, you're, I think you're right. Edie in between. It also flows up a lot better. Oh, that's fine. Um, so Edie's mother passed away, but her ghost never left. And what ends up happening is Edie is really reluctant to accept the fact that her family has this local legacy as witches. And her mom's journal like, enters her life from when she was a teenager. And it takes Edie on this like, scavenger hunt to find all these objects that once belonged to her mom. Every single one of those objects has like memories from her past that she gets to experience, almost like Horcruxes, but from a positive standpoint. Oh, cool. Um, and Edie then ends up discovering like the the dark secret behind their family's practice, and just oh, so good! It's so fantastic. Um, there's uh, occult stuff. There's tarot. There's wonderful journaling. There's everything going on. This so and the cover is just delightful. It's so fun. So that's and I think you're right. Edie in between by Laura Simpson.
0: Um, my next one is Velvet Was the Night by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. Um, Sylvia, of course, wrote "Max Gothic, was, which was my favorite book um, last year. And I'm going to apologize in advance because I don't actually know how to pronounce correctly the um, protagonist's first name. It's spelled M-A-I-T-E. So I don't know if it's mate or Matee. T. sounds maybe correct. Mm. Anyway, Um Matisse is a secretary who lives for one thing, the latest issue of secret romance. While student protests and political unrest consume the city, Matisse escapes into stories of passion and danger. Her next door neighbor, Lenora, a beautiful art student, seems to live a life of intrigue and romance that Matisse envies. When Lawrence disappears under suspicious circumstances, Matisse finds herself searching for the missing woman and journeying deeper into Lenora's secret life of student radicals and dissents. Meanwhile, someone else is looking for Lenora at the behest of his boss, a shadowy figure who commands goon squads dedicated to squashing political activists. Elvis is an eccentric criminal who longs to escape his own life. He loves violence and loves old movies and rock and roll. But as Elvis searches for the missing woman, he watches some tea from a distance and comes to regard her as a kindred spirit who shares his love of music and the unspoken loneliness of his heart. Now, as they come closer to discovering the truth behind Lenore's disappearance, they can no longer escape the danger that threatens to consume their lives with hitmen, government agents, and Russian, and Russian spies, all aiming to protect Lenora's secrets at gunpoint.
1: That's going to be so good.
0: Right? It sounds very sort of like noir. Um, again, 1970s Mexico City. Uh, Sylvia Mexican Gothic was the 1950s in Mexico. So I'm very excited for this one. hmm uh-huh.
1: Uh, my next one is The Perfect Place to Die by Bryce Moore. Uh, just a heads up, folks, I got a couple of horror books here. It's August. We're talking pre-spooky season. So this one, it's described as Jack Jack the Ripper meets Devil in the White City. Uh, so there's two sisters, Zaretta and Ruby, and they live in Utah. And Ruby travels to Chicago during the World's Fair and disappears. So Zaretta leaves home to try and find her. You said in Chicago? A- yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it is the 1890s in Chicago when it it's the World Fair. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Zaretta is going to find her sister Ruby. She then travels to Chicago, doesn't know where to start until she learns that her sister's last place of employment was a mysterious hotel known as the Castle. Oh, yeah. Zaretta takes a job there hoping to learn more and you're never going to believe it but a whole bunch of horrifying things happen in this hotel and in the end she finds herself up against one of the most infamous mass murderers in American history and his custom-built death trap. I am excited for this one. The Perfect Place to Die by Bryce Moore.
0: Seriously, man. Good old Chicago's world worlds. there.
1: Another great cover too. A lot of good cover.
0: Uh, my next one is If the Shoe Fits by Julie Murphy. Julie Murphy, of course, is the author of Dumplin. And now we have Plus Size Cinderella. Hell Do yeah. I really need to tell you any more about that? I mean, this is about Cindy. She loves shoes, a well-placed bow, or chic stack heels. her form of self-expression. As a fashion-obsessed plus woman, she can never find designer clothes that work for her body, but a special pair of shoes always fits just right. When a shiny new design With a shiny new design degree, but no job in sight, Cindy moves back in with her stepmother, Erica Tremaine, excellent use of the last name from the Disney movie, Um, the executive producer of the world's biggest dating reality show. (laughs) When a contestant on Before Midnight bows out at the last minute, Cindy is thrust into the spotlight. Showcasing her killer shoe collection on network TV seems like a great way to jumpstart her career. And while she's at it, why not go on a few lavish dates with an eligible suitor? But being the first and only fat contestant on Before Midnight turns, into, turns her into a viral sensation and a body positivity icon overnight. Even harder to believe, she can actually see herself falling for this Prince Charming. To make it to the end, despite the fans, the haters, and a house full of fellow contestants she's not sure she can trust, Cindy will have to take a leap of faith and hope her heels and her heart don't break in the process. Ugh. Plus I Cinderella on a reality TV show. Damn,
1: that, that sounds so good. Love it. Uh, my next one is The Manning Tree Witches by A.K. Blakemore. That's right. pre spooky season also means a bunch of book, books about witches. Uh, England, 1643. Puritanical fervor has gripped the nation. And in Manning Tree, a town depleted of men since the wars began, the hot terror of damnation burns in the hearts of women left to their own devices. Rebecca West, fatherless and husbandless, chafes against the drudgery of her days Livened only occasionally by her infatuation with the handsome young clerk, John Eads. Uh, but then a newcomer, Matthew Hopkins, arrives a mysterious, pious figure dressed from head to toe in black who identifies himself as the Witch Finder General. He takes over the Thorn Inn and begins to ask questions about what the women of the margins of this diminished community are up to. Dangerous rumors of covens, packs, and and bodily wants have begun to hang over women like Rebecca and the future is as frightening as it is thrilling this literally just sounds like uh English version of the Salem Witch Trials and a person who sounds very much like Cotton Mather super hope he gets his comeuppance also the cover of this is another one that would be very much up your alley uh as an FYI Joe. I
0: think I saw that on my I saw it and decided not to put it on my list. So yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, that's the matting Tree, which is by AK Blake and no,
0: so As soon as you saw the author, I was like, oh, I remember that one. For some reason I did not put it on my list. Okay, my next one is The Quiet Zone by Stephen, I think it's Kurzich. Um, uh, this is a nonfiction book, and it is um set in deep in the Appalachian Mountains in the last truly quiet town in America. Green Bank, West Virginia is a place at once futuristic and old fashioned. It's home to the Green Bank Observatory where astronomers search the depths of the universe using the latest technology while school children go without Wi-Fi or iPads. With a ban on all devices em- um, emitting radio frequencies that might interfere with the observatory's telescopes, quiet zone residents live a life free from constant digital connectivity but a community that on the surface seems idyllic is a place of contradictions where the provincial meets the seemingly supernatural and quiet can serve as a cover for something darker, obviously. So Stephen is embedded in Greenbake, making the residents of the small Appalachian village's neighbors. He shopped at the town's general store, attended church services, target target shooting with a seven-year-old, square danced with the locals, sampled the local moonshine, in the quiet zone, he introduces us to the unforgettable cast of characters. There's a tech buster p- patrolling the area for illegal radio waves, uh, <laughs> a sheriff's department with a string of unsolved murder cases dating back decades, a camp of neo-Nazis plotting their resurgence from a nearby mountain hollow. Amongst them all are the ordinary Simpsons seeking a way of living. The author asks, is a less connected life desirable? Is it even possible? So it's investigative journalism, just sort of about this place that kind of resides at this like intersection of technology, like observatories and space and all that. But also we can't have cell phones because you might mess with all that stuff. And then just sort of small town living. And it sounds so good.
1: I love small town living books. Uh, My next one is My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones. Uh, That's right. Pre-Spooky season is also Stephen Graham Jones season. That's oh, well, really...
0: that's fair. That's yeah. Fair.
1: Uh Stephen Graham Jones is well, I he his books are incredible. He wrote The Only Good Indians last year. That was just, I remember like that one haunted my dreams the best way possible. This is described as Shirley Jackson meets Friday the 13th. Uh it's basically an homage to slasher movies. Um, but with a Stephen Graham Jones twist. So the main character's name is Jade Daniels, and Jade is an angry half-Indian outcast with an abusive father, an absent mother, and an entire town that wants something to do with her. Uh, she lives in her own world, obsessively watching horror movies, especially the ones where there's a mass killer who seeks revenge on the world that wronged them. Uh, and then, as you would imagine, it starts happening in a Stephen Graham Jones book. Uh, murders actually start happening in, in the town where she's at. And so she uses her encyclopedic like, like knowledge of all these things to of all these movies to basically be like, here's exactly how this plot's going to unfold. And then it sort of unfolds that way, but as being a very, very different type of a killer than she would expect. And so um, that's where the Shirley Jackson part comes in. It's very, uh,
0: it.
1: yeah. So just amazing. Everything Stephen Graham Jones does is so phenomenal. So my heart is a chainsaw. Sounds delightful.
0: The next one is How We Fall Apart by Katie Zhao. So this is a YA thriller that is Crazy Rich Asians meets One of Us is Lying. You know what that means? Go
1: ahead. You know what that
0: means, everyone? We are at an elite prep school and there's a murder.
1: (laughs) We got ourselves a jail book. We got
0: ourselves a jail book. So uh, so Nancy is shocked when her former best friend, Jamie, top-ranked junior at Sinclair Prep goes missing and then is found dead. Nancy is even more shocked when word starts to spread that she and her friends, Crystal, Akil, and Alexander, are the prime suspects thanks to the proctor, someone anonymously incriminating them via the school social media app. I'm so glad I did not attend school when there was social media. Same. So they all used to be Jamie's closest friends and she knew each of their deepest, darkest secrets. Now, somehow the proctor knows them too. The four must uncover the true killer before the proctor exposes more than they can bear and costs them more than anything they can afford. Like Nancy's full scholarship. Soon Nancy suspects that her friends may be keeping secrets from her too. Murder at a prep school it's everything I, I always dream of.
1: (laughs) I know what you mean, but what a funny way of saying that. Oh, that's delightful. Um, okay. My last one is The Reading List by Sarah Nisha Adams. This sounds delightful as does basically all the books. Yeah. Um, so we have a widower named Makesh who lives in a quiet, a quiet life in Wembley, West London, after losing his beloved wife, he shops every Wednesday, goes to temple, and worries about his granddaughter, Priya, who hides in her room reading all. he spends his evenings watching nature documentaries. Uh, Alicia is a bright but anxious teenager working at the local library for a summer when she discovers a crumpled up piece of paper in the back of a To Kill a Mockingbird copy, and it's a list of novels that she's never heard of. Intrigued and a little bored with her slow job at the checkout desk, she impulsively decides to read every book on the list one after another. As each story gives up its magic, the books transport Alicia from the painful reality she's facing at home. When Mukesh arrives at that library, desperate to forge a connection with his bookworm granddaughter, Alicia passes along the reading list, hoping that it will be a lifeline for him, too. Slowly, the shared books create a connection between two lonely souls, as fiction helps them escape their grief and everyday troubles. Sounds just delightful. Again, another uh, book about a relationship between two people and bonus because it's all about how books help bring them together. So that's The Reading List by Sarah Nisha Adams.
0: My last one is The Shimmering State by Meredith Westgate. Okay, there's so much about this description I love, like I can't even tell you. Okay, so Lucian moves to LA to be with his grandmother as she undergoes an experimental memory treatment for Alzheimer's using a new drug, Memoroxin. An emerging photographer. He's also running from the sudden death of his mother, a well-known artist whose legacy haunts him even from New York. Sophie has just landed the lead role in an upcoming performance with the Los Angeles Ballet. She still waitresses during her off hours at the Chateau Marmont, witnessing the recreational use of Memoroxin or Mem among Mm -hmm. the Hollywood elite. When Lucian and Sophie meet at the center, founded by the ambitious yet conflicted Dr. Angelica Sloan, to treat patients who've abused Mem, they have no memory of how they got there or why they feel so inexplicably drawn to one another. Is it an attraction or something they cannot remember from before? That in a city that seems to have no memory of its own, the shimmering state is a graceful meditation on the power of story and its creation. It masterfully explores memory and how it can elude us, trap us, or even set us free. Okay, y'all. Now-
1: <laughs> <laughs> there she is.
0: I was reading this description and I was reminded of two movies that I love. First is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind.
1: Mm-hmm
0: and um the other one whose name of course is oh mahalan drive right you got the la you got the memory thing you're like i'm not sure what's real or not um and of course eternal sunshine of spotless mind you're like you got these two people who are like i don't know i feel like i've met you before but no that's not possible but there's like a whole memory thing happening and i love everything about this book and i can't wait to read it
1: it's i'm, I'm feeling this energy today i like it that sounds so good honestly like i I'm putting every one of both of our books on my TBR list is sound just, it's just a fantastic month of books. Um, Delightful. Yeah. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, if you are a librarian attending Digipalooza, we will see you next week when we are doing our interview with Andy Weir. Sorry to everyone else. That is a exclusive for Digipalooza. We will not be recording that. Um, And I don't, there's, there's nothing else like crazy. It's funny to say there's nothing else going on, right? Because for us, like this, like, Digipalooza has basically taken over our office's life amongst a million other things. No, Maybe. I
0: don't think so. Um, a okay. bunch of interviews coming up that we'll tell you about later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, good times. I don't think there's anything else though. But yeah, there's, when I say that, I'm like, there's a bunch of interviews I'm very excited to record, but I haven't yet, so.
1: Yeah, we've learned our lesson. And also from, like, an, as many people know, This isn't our actual day job. Our actual day jobs are as hectic as ever. So when we say now lot going on, just being like, there's no book clubs right now. Right, right. Um, but yeah, lots of great books. Like I said, you can always check out all of our social medias, or you can shoot us an email if you want some additional recommendations. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast.
0: Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from OverDrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit EvergreenPodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunwald, and presented by OverDrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hey, hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey.